0: out of the center of my forehead, shot out this giant golden eye. It was huge. And this golden eye, so it's coming out of my forehead and now it's looking back at me. I was confused. is that my eye looking back at me? Or is that God's eye looking back at me? Like, I couldn't get it. And then God just said, I am viewing your life through you As you, you and I are one. And then he sent me back.
1: Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of sacred journeys, spirit encounters, near-death experiences, angels, mysteries, marvels, and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary people reveal their extraordinary encounters. I acknowledge the Darrawal people, who are the traditional custodians of the land of Sutherland Shire in Australia, where I live and record Spirit Sisters, and I recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and community. I pay respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, and to Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. I'm really excited to share today's conversation with you. I have an interview with Jacob King. Jacob is a young Australian man in his early 30s. He lives in Melbourne. He had a profoundly transformative near-death experience within the last couple of years. So he's still processing it. It's very recent. He's only recently begun to talk about it. So I'm really honoured to be able to have had a conversation with him in these very early stages of his integration of his near-death experience. As you're about to hear, he's an incredibly wise young man. He's got a real depth of of experience and expression. And I really appreciated his candor. He's incredibly honest about the traumatic experiences that he's had. On that note, there's a trigger warning here. Please note that Jacob does refer to suicide in his conversation. So please get in touch with Lifeline if that brings up issues for you. I'm going to keep this introduction short because I really just want to jump into this conversation and share it with you. So please enjoy and please let me know. I'd be very keen to hear your thoughts on it. And there is the option of getting Jacob back on the show. So if you have follow-up questions, please let me know. In the meantime, enjoy my conversation with Jacob King. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast, Jacob. Thanks, Karina. It's really lovely to have you on. I'm excited to welcome a fresh Australian voice onto the show. And when I heard your NDE, I thought how wonderful that we've got young Australian guys sharing and just broadening this space. So very, very happy to have you on the show today.
0: Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: All right. So you had an NDE in October 2021 that completely transformed your life. Now, I'm wondering, Jacob, if we could please begin by you painting a picture for us of what life was like in the lead up to the NDE and then taking us through it, the experience itself, in as much detail as you can.
0: Yeah, sure. So I uh, I grew up in a very uh, traumatic household, basically. Uh, My father was extremely violent and my mother was very, very unstable. And, uh, you know, I had some siblings as well. And, you know, we didn't get along. So things were, were pretty awful, to say the least. Um, almost every week we either had police or ambulance or social workers at our house. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's you can imagine growing up in a, in a place like that, in an environment like that, that, you know, as you get older, it can really mess you up. Um, and my, my outlet for... Um, you know, getting away from all that is, I used to always play sports. Uh, I was really into soccer in primary school, basketball in high school. And I used to love to get into the flow state when I was playing sports, you know, and that was, that was my getaway. And I used to think when I was growing up, ah, I want to go to the NBA, you know, when I got older, I'm going to get into the NBA and I'm going to get away from all this mess. Um, and that, (laughs) that wasn't going to happen. I wasn't good enough. So by the time I became an adult and I realized, oh, man, I spent all my life basically trying to become a professional athlete and it's not going to happen. And then the reality started to set in like, hey, I'm a pretty messed up dude. Like I I'm traumatized. I'm. You know, I'm starting to become an addict every time I I have alcohol. I drink too much. Uh, Every time somebody offers me something to take, I'll take it so it can numb the pain. Um, I'm dysfunctional. I'm, you know, and I went on to the healing journey and I did try to heal, but it was, it was difficult. I'll be honest. You know, I, I was struggling to heal from, from all the damage that I'd experienced. And, you know, I had some success here and there, but I had too many addictions that were in the way of my healing. I, uh, things got really bad during the lockdowns. Um, so, you know, 2020 hit and I no longer had a physical outlet. I used to be a really keen um, martial artist. You know, I was, I was at home. I was a drug addict. But, you know, when I was out of the house, I was, I was going to the martial arts gym and I was training hard. And that was my therapy. And then I lost that during the lockdowns. And it really messed me up. You know, I, I was one of those people who, you know, I, I, I struggled. I, I didn't want the lockdowns because it took away my therapy. And I started to use more and more drugs and alcohol. And, um, it was getting pretty bad and I, I started getting really suicidal. I've been suicidal before. But it was a bit different this time because now i would really started to give up on ever getting better. You know, in the past, I, I always had some hope that, oh, one day I will change one day. I'll heal. One day I'll get better. Um, and I started to lose hope. I started to think, no, it's not going to happen. I think I'm just, I'm just going to be a drug addict and, Homeless and all that, like I'm. That's this type of story. I, I'm. I'm living a sad story. My life is a sad story. I'm a victim of my circumstances, and I truly believed that at one point and gave up. Yeah, so I gave up on getting better, and I thought the highlight of my life was going to be every time I could afford to take drugs. And uh, one day, I, I went out and bought my drugs, and went home and I just locked myself in the room and I started taking the drugs. You know a couple of different drugs at the same time. And I knew what the effects were and, you know, sort of pass out and whatever, and it was all good. But this time when I passed out, I, I I was very conscious in a way that I usually wouldn't be. I was all of a sudden I'm in some dark space and I'm looking around and there's nothing there except me. I'm there by myself. And uh, I'm going, all right, what's going on here? And I start feeling this energy coming into this environment. I call this place the void, because it's void of everything except yourself. And in this void, this energy started to come within. And I was like, oh, this energy is nice. Like It's very warm. It's very loving. It's very powerful. And this energy started to surround me and it was like my entire body was being embraced by this energy. So I still felt like I was in a human body in this place I, and I was just enjoying this energy and it just felt really nice and, and then I was like, wow, you know like this energy is so perfect. It's like it's like the, the key in the lock that I was looking for, you know, I was like, Oh, everything I was chasing on earth, uh, like every time I wanted to, you know, sleep with a woman or take a drug or get some money or buy a car or like all those things that I was chasing, I was looking to scratch some inner itch and none of it really worked, but now this does. And like, if I can find, if I can just spend time with this energy, I don't need anything else. And I was happy there. And I started to realize that this energy was very familiar. I was like, I've been around this energy before. And then I was like trying to scan throughout my life. Like where, where have I found this? Where have I spent time with this energy? And I scanned through my whole life in about one second and I couldn't find it. And I kept scanning and then I was able to scan before I was born. And I realized, Oh, I spent time with this energy before I was born. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, this is God. This is God's energy. Oh, And I was just amazed. I was like, wow, God is God is hugging me right now. And I remember there was a moment there where you know I realized this was God and I could feel the sheer magnitude of the power of this energy was, unlike anything you could possibly experience on Earth, because it was like, I remember feeling like this is the energy that gives life to all of the universes. All the universes have this energy running through them. And this energy is love. It's a, But it's such a strong love that it's intimidating. I was genuinely intimidated, but it was also love at the same time. It was kind of, so I, I, I felt Like, okay, I can either choose to be scared of this power or I could either fall into its love. And I had the choice to make. It was 50-50, fear or love. And I chose the love, but not by much. Honestly, it was 50-50. It was genuinely very, very intimidating how strong this love was. And as I fell into this love, there was still a little bit of a slight amount of fear because you felt like you could dissolve um if you think about when you hug somebody that you love very deeply and you really you hug them tight and you almost feel like you can melt into their arms imagine that but multiply that feeling over and over again like there's a point where you know you feel like you can pass out from how relaxing and you 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 really feel like melting like yeah you're going to dissolve in their arms you know and this is how i felt I genuinely felt like I could disintegrate in this love but I had to trust it because the other option was to be scared and if I chose to be scared I think things would have gotten really really bad so I just chose to trust it and just to love to be in this love and when I took that decision when I chose that one God took me out of this void and I was somewhere else and this other place that I was taken to was something that looked like space, very, very similar to space as we see it, you know, with all the nebulas and the beautiful colors and all of that. But it was filled with like millions and billions of lights, these little lights that had all these colors emanating from them. And these colors were unlike any colors you could see on earth. They were so beautiful that it was almost hard to look at because of how beautiful it was. If you've ever looked at a piece of art before and you're really amazed, you're looking at that art, okay, let's say you're feeling a little bit of awe, a little bit of astonishment. You start multiplying that astonishment over and over and over again. There's a point in time where you are so astonished you're going to have a heart attack. That's how I felt looking at this art. It was too much. I felt like I was going to die from what I was looking at. It was that beautiful. And God started to, you know, he was gathering all these lights together and he was literally putting on an art show for me. And the art was so beautiful and it was just constantly evolving and revolving and changing and the colors were changing and it was all very dynamic. And I was getting a bit like... You know, I was so taken aback. I was like, hey, God, this is is a bit much. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. This is getting dangerous. And God had a sense of humor. And he said, hey, it's all good. (laughs) Like, (laughs) relax. I'm putting on a show for you. You just enjoy it. And I was like, all right, and I'll try. (laughs) It wasn't easy. (laughs) And... Yeah, as I'm just watching this, and then eventually he took me and we started flying through heaven together. And as we were flying through, I'm absorbing all the arts, the beauty of what I'm seeing, but it kind of, as I'm flying, it also kind of felt like I was swimming underwater. But the reason I say it also felt like swimming underwater is because there was a feeling there of flying through something. The substance that I was flying through was love. There was a a physical, tangible aspect to the love. Like it was almost like a material that you could fly through. The faster we were flying, the more of this love I was absorbing and the art, the visual aspect to everything I was also absorbing. And so as I'm absorbing all this, it's getting too much. It's genuinely, I feel like I'm going to burst from how much of this love and beauty I'm absorbing. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm feeling like, all right, it's too much, it's too much, it's too much, and then God's stopped me somewhere. And we stopped at this place that looked like a skyscraper, like a giant tower. But this, this giant tower was made of the same kind of lights as all the stars and these stars were very obviously conscious to me they were souls and this giant skyscraper tower thing was was made of the same kind of light as these souls were and i looked to the top of it and i couldn't see the top of it because of how high it was and god is next to me and god is just an invisible ball of energy i can feel god but there's no There's no seeing God, you just feel the energy and God says, all right, we're going to the top of this. I said, all right. And we start flying up the side of this tower going towards the top of it. And as I'm getting towards the top, you know, the, you know, the speed is increasing and increasing and I'm feeling like, Oh, it's getting dangerous. It's getting dangerous. I'm about to burst too much, too much overload, overload. And it's getting kind of scary. Like I'm about to die. I'm about to die from how much of this I'm absorbing. And just as I feel like I'm about to die, we get to the top. And I was like, whew, thank God, that was close. Nearly died there. All right, I'm glad I'm still here. And I'm at the top of this tower and I'm just like, all right, cool. Thankful to still be in one piece. And I walk to the edge of the tower and I look out. And as I look out, I'm just seeing billions and trillions of these, these souls, these stars, you know, these lights, they, they're just everywhere and they're all conscious. And it was beautiful to look at and breathtaking, a really breathtaking view. As I'm just there and I'm sort of, you know, catching my breath. And then God speaks to me vibrationally and telepathically and and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. All right, wait a minute. I nearly died coming up this tower. And there's a lot more, but like if I go through that, if I fly through what you want me to fly through next, I'm going to die for sure. For sure, I'm going to die. And he just said, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean, yes? Yes. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that answer, you know, and I had to think about it for a moment. And I was like, okay, God is very, very, very wise. Very, very loving. Very, very powerful. And so calm. And it's just very matter of fact about it. And I can tell, I can feel like he knows it'll be a good thing for me to go through that. But I have a fear of death now. Like, well, I'm going to die. But he wants me to die. Okay. All right. Well, why not? <laughs> it's just like, who am I to argue with a being this great? If I'll just take his advice and I'll fly through it. Like, let's do it. I trust you, God. And then God, like, he just picked me up, like, as if he picked up a paper airplane. And he just, just through me and I started to glide. And first it was easy. I was like, oh this is not so bad. And <laughs> as I'm going through and and the speed starts increasing and increasing. And I'm going faster and faster and and the love and the light and oh I'm getting to my breaking point again. You know, it's getting too much, too much, too fast, too much. And I got I was getting to that breaking point and I remembered that okay Obviously, God wants me to get past this breaking point. So let's just see what happens. And I got past that breaking point, And what happened was, as I was getting past that point, I felt like the skin on my face started to peel off. And the bones underneath it and the muscles and the, all these layers of human identification that had remained with me in this place all started to dissolve. And it felt fantastic. It felt amazing. It felt like taking off a very tight shoe, you know, and you just can relax. And I realized that all this trauma that I had been carrying within me all my life were contained within these layers. And as the layers were coming off, I started to feel healed. So one layer after another is coming off as I'm flying through all these stars and flying through all the love. And. And then I start getting down to the final layer and I knew there was only one layer left. And that's when I wondered it. I thought, Hmm, I wonder what happens now. Like when I lose this final layer, oh, well, there's nothing left after that. Then I'm really dead. And kept flying and flying and I kept waiting for this layer to dissolve and it wouldn't dissolve. It just, it just was completely unaffected by what I was experiencing. I was was confused, what is this layer within me that won't dissolve, that just stays completely unaffected by what I'm experiencing? What is this layer? And then it's like God just stopped me from flying. And I was just instantly stopped and he picked me up. And I was like a little grain of sand in his hand. And he showed me what he was looking at from his point of view. And now, I I refer to God as a he, but God transcends gender. I could just as easily say she, but, you know, it's just easier for me to say he. So keep that in mind. So God is looking at me and I'm seeing from, through his eyes, I'm seeing light, a white light. And this is the light, this was the final layer within me that would not dissolve and was completely unaffected by being in this place. And he said, no matter what you've gone through and what you will go through, everything you experience will fade away. This, this light within you, this is eternal. This will never change. Remember this. Remember who you are. And then he rolled me out of his hand, just like rolling a little marble like a little tiny ball that he just rolled out of his hand. And as he rolled me out of his hand, I joined with the rest of the lights. And all of these lights, as I joined with them, we became like one unified being. It was like taking a drop of water and putting it in the ocean. And then it became one with the ocean. And there was no ego. There was no sense of Me being a human, me being a male, me being any of that, I completely forgot about all that. I became one with this ocean. We were one. As I became one with this ocean of lights, I felt like I was one with God. I couldn't, there were no boundaries anymore. We were all one. And it was so beautiful. I felt like, like this is home. This is where I came from. This is who I am. And I was complete here. There was nothing else I ever needed ever again. This is it. What else do I need after this? And there was no more time. I was there for... I don't know, it's just time ceased to exist. And eventually God, He took me out of there and He separated me from the ocean again. And next to me appeared an image of this human body that I'm in right now. And that human body was passed out on Earth. I could see it and I, I remembered, oh, That's the guy I used to be. I used to think I was that guy. And then I knew, oh, you're showing me this because you're going to send me back to that now, aren't you? And he said, yes. And I said, oh, and I knew what was coming. I thought, wait, I've got to ask you some questions first. And he said, okay. And I said, how am I supposed to go from that? and going back to earth and being that guy again. That guy is depressed, he's suicidal, he's a drug addict. And now I'm going to go back to being him. How? It's too much of a contrast. And he just said, it's okay. And when he said, it's okay, embedded within the vibration of that, saying, I don't judge you. I don't judge you for what you've turned into. The mistakes you've made, who you've become, I accept you exactly as you are. I don't judge you. I accept you. And that was very healing for me because I used to judge myself all the time. And, And this religious version of God that I was taught about growing up would have sent me straight to hell. But no, when I encountered God directly, he's not like that. God understands why we become what we become, all the things we struggle with, and all of that. He gets it. He gets it, you know. And I said, okay, but, like, when I go back to that, I'm gonna need to tell everyone about this. Because how can this place exist, and I didn't know about it. I mean, yeah, I'd heard about heaven and that, but it's very different when you experience it directly like I'm not going to be able to keep this to myself but no one down there is going to believe me. And I thought I thought about people that were closest to me, I thought about my cousins and my best friends and stuff and I thought, "Can you show them this love that I'm experiencing right now? This energy? Can you can you share it with them?" And then he said, "Well, that's what you're there for." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> me how am i supposed to give them all this love and he said you can ask me for help you can ask to help become an outlet for this love i thought oh become an outlet it's very different to how i was doing things you know i was on earth i was trying to do things with my ego and produce goodness myself and doing all that and trying to repair my ego and like I like that that's a good you know be an outlet for the love so just let the love flow through me oh okay yeah I can do that and I thought but you know God like when I get back there and I have a feeling I'm just gonna go back to my old ways again like I'm gonna go back and be a human think I'm a human and Start taking drugs again, and like, I don't want to go through all that. Like, I don't want to lose touch with you again. And then God said, But I am you. I said, What? <laughs> <laughs> How can you say you are me? You are so powerful and so amazing, and there's no way that you are me. How? And it was like time stood still, and out of the center of my forehead shot out this giant golden eye. It was huge. And this golden eye, so it's coming out of my forehead, and now it's looking back at me. And I was confused. I thought, is that my eye looking back at me? Or is that God's eye looking back at me like I I couldn't get it? And then God just said, I am viewing your life through you as you. You and I are one. And then he sent me back.
1: Oh, my goodness, Jacob, what an extraordinary account. And you, you have such a beautiful way of sharing it, of rendering it. I love the imagery you use. I love the idea that God picked you up like a paper airplane or rolled you out of his palm like a marble. It's very beautiful and so I really appreciate you taking the time to to share it with us today. It's divine, <laughs> literally. I have a few questions just from, I've been taking some notes as you've been sharing and uh, one of the things I'd love to ask you about is you, you scanned your life in a second, you said. Is this the life review that we often hear about in NDEs or was it something different?
0: No, I don't think it was a life review because I was doing something very specific myself. The life review that I hear from other NDEs is something that is shown to them. It's not something that they're doing themselves. Okay. Um, And I didn't experience things from, you know, I I know in the life review, people experience the effects of their actions through the point of view of somebody else. Mm. Um, I, I didn't experience that. So, Yeah, my NDE is a little different in that I didn't have a life review. Mm. Um, That I'm not the only person like that. There are a few others, but it's it's pretty rare.
1: Okay. And I was also interested in what you said about scanning your life before birth. What did you experience there? Were you referencing past lives and or simultaneous lives? What was going on there?
0: It was literally like that I was in some kind of heavenly realm and – yeah, it's like a, a life between lives. Okay. I guess you can say. I, I I remember when I was young that I did remember parts of my previous life. In my previous life I was I could remember being an African American guy and stuff. And um yeah, so I'm not I'm not saying like not saying anything about reincarnation now. I'm just saying that what I remembered was the life in between lives. And yeah, we I was just I don't know, we're just all there basking in God's God's energy. It's it's beautiful, you know, it's it's really, it's really amazing and so very different to what the religious people will teach you about, you know, hellfire and brimstone and all that. Um, no, it was nothing like that. This was, yeah, like I said, like the key to the lock. Like this is all we're really after at the end of the day. Um, and I got to experience that and it was, it changed my life.
1: And you talked about knowing that the ultimate choice is between fear or love. And it struck me that that, well, first of all, I, I um, read a, a spiritual text called A Course in Miracles and you can essentially sum up the whole thing like that, that life is a choice between fear or love, that those are basically the only two emotions that we have or the two states of consciousness and we have to choose. And so it was, it was really profound to hear that you experienced that in your NDE but do you feel like outside of life i uh, sorry outside of the nde when we're in our human human you know flesh suit that it's also a never ending choice between fear and love
0: yeah it is but it's so subtle because i don't know about you but to me when i hear the word fear it's like oh you know somebody holds a knife to your neck that like that kind of fear and obviously we're not experiencing that all the time but it's like Maybe that's just because I'm a dude and we're not as emotionally intelligent as most women are, I think. But, (laughs) you know, to to me, it's like uh, fear is where you go to hide, um, is the thing that makes you go to hide, sorry. And we are hiding in our egos. And when we hide in our ego, we create separation. You know, you're Karina and I'm Jacob. And we're different. That's the ego. But after my NDE, like I come back and – It's kind of like, Karina, there's a vibration and an energy flowing within you that keeps you alive. And that exact same energy and vibration is flowing within me and keeps me alive. And so we are being powered by the same energy. In essence, you are me and I am you and we are one just in different bodies. You could think of it almost like, you know, water from the stream in two different bottles, we, we are the same, you know. And when we are identified with our egos, we are identified with the bottle that the water is in rather than the water itself, which is all that really matters. That's where the fear is. And don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. Like I still get into that sometimes where, you know, have a sense of separation and distance and I'm still trying to work it all out, but there really is no difference. Like on a, on an energetic level, there is no difference. And, uh, you know, when you choose to be loving about it and there is no no separation, things start to change, you know? So yeah, long story short, yeah, that's,
1: that's,
0: there is a fear and love, yeah.
1: I love that analogy of the the bottles of water. I've never thought of it that way and that really makes it quite clear, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other aspect of your experience that I so appreciated and, and just think is so beautiful is that the idea of creativity so you described god painting an art show with all of the beautiful lights and just the the galaxies and everything that you experienced which the beauty made you feel like you were going to dissolve and i ju- it just made me think about creativity because i've been pondering that lately and how fulfilled i feel when i am creating and how important it is to create As a as a connector, I guess to to the holy, to the divine, you know, in the sense that I feel that creativity is holy, and your experience seems to speak to that.
0: Mm. Yeah, um, I I was really just, you know, it's I, I, I struggled to put it into words, just how much God enjoyed creating. You know, creativity is divine. Like and he even enjoyed my reaction, you know, he just (laughs) like (laughs) the poor guy could barely keep himself together. It's all good. I'll put on an art show. You enjoy it, you know, like (laughs) he he had such a good like sense of humor and he was just creating just freely and he wasn't attached to one one piece. You know, he would create the art and then he'd wipe it out and then he'd create another thing and he'd just wipe it out and then he just kept creating and creating and wiping it out, you know, a lot like what I think the Buddhists do it. Uh, what is it called? The mandalas, I think they yes. call it, it. Exact same thing. Create something beautiful, wipe it out, create again. And Because he's living in the present moment all the time, you know, and I think, you know, the, the, the greatest artists – are entering into an altered state of consciousness while they're creating. And they're no longer living in the past and future, they're living in the present moment. And the creativity is flowing through them. It's not necessarily that something that they're doing. I think it's something that's being done through them. And that's why sometimes, I don't know what you create, but I'm sure sometimes you create something and you're surprised. Yeah,
1: Yeah. well, I've often reflected that my first book, Spirit Sisters, was the way it flowed out of me so very easily. It was that, in in a sense, I was in tune with something, a sense of, you know, we hear the word channeling, and I guess to some extent we are always channeling something, each of us.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, Something is being channeled through you. This is why... uh, whether you're dancing or making art or writing something or whatever it is, getting your ego to the side and letting something else flow through you is feels so healing and so cathartic and therapeutic for other people.
1: Yes, exactly. I love that. And so do you feel that the little vessels that we are, the little bottles, that they are an expression of God's creativity or are they part of our ego protection and projection something that we've created a part of the illusion that enhances our our belief our mistaken belief that we're separate from one another
0: I think it's an essential part of what we're doing um like you know just because we shouldn't identify with the vessel does not mean we shouldn't take care of the vessel and respect the vessel um you know like I eat very healthy and I like to go to the gym and I'm trying to keep this vessel in tip-top shape right but you can go too far where it's all you care about. You know, if you're starting to go through through all this, you know, fake fake ways of of being obsessed with the body. Um, you know, maybe with guys you're taking steroids or with girls, they're going to plastic surgeon every month or two. Like that type of thing is where it's getting too much. It's uh, it's conquering your your consciousness, you can say. The vessel should be there to assist the consciousness, not the other way around, not to capture the consciousness. Most people are in a state where their vessel has captured the consciousness. Even if it's something like just, I don't know, um, the, the body has its own uh, desires, right? So addictions, like, like what I had, you know, I, my body started to have a chemical addiction for certain things. And whenever it asked for it, I would just follow. I would let the body say, hey, go get that drug, go spend the rest of your money on that drug. And I used to go and do it for this food or it's sex or it's whatever. But the thing is, when you are in that state, the body is never satisfied. The body never says, oh, like, thanks, I've had enough. I'm good now. Like, if you get to that place, like, you'll be there for a few minutes or a few hours, and then you're right back on the on the donkey again. Like, it, it, it never works. But you get to a place where you're tuned in with the consciousness, the, the essence, the divine essence within us all, and then you let that be the captain of the ship. And, uh, and that's when you have the transformation and you're no longer like a dog chasing its tail. You know, you start to have wisdom and clarity and you start to see things as they really are with the consciousness. But with the body, with the, the, and the ego's identification with the body, it's a mess and it's a recipe for disaster. And that's a disaster that the majority of humanity is experiencing right now.
1: Yes, yeah, so that over identification with the body and the ego, and the the further we identify with that, the less we identify with that, that spark of eternal light which God mm. showed you in your experience, that last layer. Yes, that, exactly. Yeah, which was so I, it's so very beautiful how you yeah how you express that, Jacob. And actually, I've just realised here in my notes, you said I used to think I was that guy. So we think mm. we're that. We actually believe it and we forget the truth.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting being back in the body with those memories and, hey, like, on some level, yeah, I, I do think I'm this guy. But it's sort of like I share that identification with something deeper. I'm not all the way there yet. I'm still integrating my experience. It still happened very recently. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why I still sometimes come to tears when I when I speak about the experience, you know, because it's still very raw to me. But there is something that is deeper within us that we've lost touch with. And I think children are in touch with it. And I think animals are in touch with it, which is why. We go crazy for little kids and little animals and <laughs> stuff, and we, you know, you go through your Facebook feed and those, are those, vid- those videos that have got millions of views. You know, the baby playing with the dog and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, why? They're just in tune with something deeper, and you don't have to be intellectually aware of it. Actually, it's better if you're not. Better if you're just feeling it. It's something within the nervous system that's natural. You know, you could say something like a primordial identification with something deeper because I could lose my mind one day. I could lose my memory. I could completely forget what my name is. I could, you know, all that can be wiped away, but there's something deeper that's still running and operating the body. And even when the body dies, that thing leaves the body and it's still running. So that thing that leaves the body is within the body, whether you want to call it the soul or whatever the essence. The word doesn't matter. It's there, and you can feel it. Feel it sometimes when you're creating, or sometimes you feel it when you're having a, in a spiritual state of mind, or you're meditating, whatever it is. But the more you can tune into that, the better off you'll be. I
1: absolutely agree. And I've been on this quest my my entire life. From when I was seven years old, I realized there was something, but I wasn't quite sure what it was, and I've been looking for it. So mm-hmm. speaking of childhood so you mentioned that you had been brought up with a picture of a of a, a very wrathful god so one that would punish you you know send you to hell what can you share about the spiritual foundation if any uh, that was part of your upbringing
0: Um so I was raised in a Christian house you know Christian by name not so much by you know the way we treated each other and it was, a, it was a very, very fundamentalist church that I was in. They took everything very, very literally in the Bible, which that's always a recipe for disaster, because I think a lot of what's in the Bible is very, very beautiful. When you understand the allegory of it and you can read between the lines of what is being said, that's when it really comes to life. And I actually experienced that quite a lot. When I got back, I would have these uh, these memories come up of things I was taught, the, the Bible verses that I can remember. And now I see it from a completely different angle. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is different now. I actually like this stuff. So it's been very healing for me in that regards as well.
1: And so when something you wrote to me when we were corresponding, you said that you've always been tuned to another reality, another dimension. I wondered if this understanding or this kind of yearning was there when you were a little boy. And if it offered yeah. you relief from the um, the trauma that you were experiencing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So that's why, you know, when, when I said like I used to, my outlet used to be through sports, sports gave me a place to enter into this, the flow state. I couldn't reliably enter into the flow state all the time. But I remember, say, when I was playing basketball, like sometimes I could just enter into a state of mind that I couldn't miss no matter what you did to me. Like I'd literally have guys pushing me over and I would throw the ball in the air as I was falling to the ground and the ball would go in. These things were happening, not because I was skilled, but every now and then I could just find this vibration and just tune my consciousness into it and amazing things could happen. But then whenever I would have like a big game where it really mattered and I was in my ego and I was like, Hey, like I need to, I need to win. I'm gonna dominate this game. I could never enter into that flow state anymore. It was always happening when I wasn't doing something important. When I was just playing with friends and stuff, and I start, I was also on the side. Like I was experiencing a lot of strange spiritual things. Um, you know, ghosts, a lot of that weird stuff growing up. A lot, and so I always knew there is more to this reality than what's being told to me. But whenever I speak about these experiences, people think I'm either crazy or I'm hallucinating or I'm just being an imaginative little child. When you put the two of those things together, like I knew that there was a lot going on in this reality that was something that was worth investigating. Mm-hmm. And just like you said. And so when I say like I'm tuned into this other reality or that I was tuned into it, it wasn't something that I was doing with my ego. It wasn't like, oh, look at me. Look how I'm spiritual. No, it was like just things that were happening to me.
1: Tell us about Um, a moment where, you know, I don't know if it's your first memory of experiencing something that made you know that there's something else to this reality, whether it was seeing a ghost or tell us about a moment, a little story.
0: Okay. Um I'll try not to get into the alien stuff. There's a few alien experiences. It sounds like
1: we'll have to get you back on the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, like the first one, and this one is, is still bizarre to me. I, I can't explain this one still, but I remember when I was young, there was this – my sister had gotten this, uh, like, a beanie and some gloves. And I remember this beanie. It was, like, red and white, and it had the little pom-pom on top, you um, I don't know what you call that thing on the top, you know, but it was cool because it reminded me of like, you know, you see this stuff in American cartoons and that. And now it was real. It was in front of me. And my sister and I were fighting over it. And I remember one time she left the gloves and the beanie somewhere and I went and I took it and I went to bed. And as I went to bed, I used that beanie and the gloves as my pillow because I was like, now nah, she, she won't be able to take this back from me when I, when I wake up, you know. And so I remember waking up, and the first thing I thought when I wake up is the beanie, the beanie and the gloves. And then I looked, and the beanie and the gloves were there as my pillow, and I went to grab it, and my hands went right through it. Oh. And I was like, what the heck? And then I was trying to grab it, and then it literally just disappeared in front of me. It faded. And I was like... I, I mean I, I didn't know what to do it was right and then I just I went and I looked all over the house and I kept asking my sister and my mom where's that beanie and where's the gloves and they didn't even know what I was talking about and they were like I don't know what and I was like come on and I was going mental I was like you guys had it we're fighting over it and stuff like and they acting like it never existed and now I don't know that's the one that kept coming to mind I didn't want to bring that one up because I, I, can't, I can't put any spin on it.
1: It's almost like a, another dim, like a parallel dimension, a parallel life, and you sort of slipped between the two.
0: Is, that's the only thing I can think yeah. of. But I struggled to say it because I don't know anything about these things, but, you know, I know what I experienced. And I haven't had like a – I'm not like um, going around like hallucinating all the time and having strange experiences. No, like that was like one thing that happened.
1: It's very um, interesting, Jacob, that one. And the other thing that's interesting is you mentioned that as a child, you had past life experiences of being an African-American man. Tell us a bit more about that.
0: Yeah, I remembered, like, I remembered the energy of being an African-American. And my mom used to tell me, uh, like, she was like, man, every time uh we'd have the tv on whenever there were african americans on tv you would run to the tv and like you, you were so excited to see them you were so happy to see them all the time you know and i remember i used to have this exp- this memory of my favorite leather jacket it was a brown leather jacket and i had a big afro and i had to wear like the, the little flare jeans and that and I had to wear these brown leather shoes and a, a black turtleneck <laughs> underneath the brown leather jacket and I remember that was my favorite outfit and even now when I remember it I remember that feeling I had the way I used to walk and oh it was like so cool man like that was the 80s you know mm-hmm. um, so I'm born in 89 I remember the 80s and I remembered as well in this life I was upset because I preferred the 70s the 70s was cool The 80s were not as cool. Uh, I remember feeling this. And the past life memory that used to always come up, there was this dream that I was having where I don't know how I ended up in this situation, but I remember fearing for my life. And I was driving. And as I'm driving, I'm feeling dizzy. And I don't know what's happening, but I'm driving and I'm scared for my life. And as I'm driving, I get cornered. All these police cars stop me. And I get out of the car and I've got my hands up and I'm looking down at the ground and all these cops are yelling at me at the same time. And because they're all yelling at the same time, I don't understand what they're saying. And I just got my hands up and I'm like, please don't shoot me. Please don't shoot me. Please don't shoot me. And then bang, bang, bang. Mm -hmm. And I'm dead. That's, that's what I remember. And I always remember waking up from that dream and just feeling horrible, you know, absolutely horrible. And, Yeah, you know, I I remember when I was growing up, I was always very, um, I'd get this, this cord was strung in me whenever I would see anything about racism, uh, neo-Nazi, all that stuff, Uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, like that stuff, like I never paid attention in school, but whenever they spoke about the civil rights movement in America, you could not distract me. I was, I was undistractable, you know, something would happen to, and I didn't know, about re- I didn't believe in reincarnation until I was in my, my mid to late twenties. But I remember experiencing these things, you know, mm. and yeah, and then you know, there's there's other places that, like you know, people have experienced where like you've gone somewhere maybe, or you've met someone for the first time, and you know you've met them. There's yep. that deja vu, you know. These are common experiences mm. that that everyone's had. So yeah.
1: And do you believe, given your perspective of seeing all the beautiful lights and knowing that each of those lights represented a soul and that ultimately we are all connected do you believe that what we refer to as past life experiences might really but just be an aspect of remembering that unity you're picking up on an aspect of that unity
0: it's possible like i i can't say for sure one way or another but it's, it's interesting if that was the case, like why would I be having uh, these specific memories? Yeah, uh, yeah. like why that resonance? Person? Yeah, exactly,
1: mm. why the resonance? Uh, mm.
0: Not only that, but I have uh, looked into a little bit of the research on reincarnation and the real fascinating stuff is when kids can remember a specific person and they can give the details, but not only that, they have birthmarks associated with the death of that person.
1: Yes, how strange, yeah.
0: So when it's coming down to birthmarks and that, I can't help but think that we are one soul, you know, and we're experiencing different lives. But that one soul is just like one drop from the ocean. When the one drop merges with the ocean, it's still one drop, but it's kind of both. Mm. It's not one or the other.
1: It's kind you know? of both, exactly. And so yeah. so thank you. You've answered another one of my questions, which was going to be, prior to your NDE, which is probably the pinnacle of your spiritual experiences, I was wondering whether you'd had others before. So you, you've answered that. Thank you, Jacob. And mm. I wonder if, so thinking about the precursor to your NDE, what actually triggered it, I was thinking, was it the loss of hope that you, you so profoundly described? Or was it a physical overdose of a substance Because I've interviewed people before who've had NDEs and I've even interviewed a lady who got to the brink of the NDE just through sheer grief and despair. So it doesn't even seem to be a physical thing that can trigger it, but the loss of hope that you mentioned, I wonder if you can reflect on that, on on what took you to the point of going to the other side.
0: Yeah, great, great question. I'm so glad you asked me that. Yeah, and you said it, it was, it was the loss of hope. And the interesting thing is there is a very, very, uh, I don't know how you say it, like the loss of hope and acceptance for what is was kind of the same thing. It was like for the first time in my life, I accepted myself as being a ruined human being. I was wrecked. I was ruined and I was never going to get better. And I just accepted that this is now my reality. I'm not going to try to change it anymore. And it's the darkest point you can possibly get to as a human. Right. At least in terms of, of healing and that. Right. But the light always comes right after that. And accepting the reality of our situation without any pretense was something that I had experienced before in other ways. And I, it was always followed by an amazing experience that finally got me out of the hole I was in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do believe the NDE would had I don't want to say had nothing to do with the substances I was taking, but that was all a part of it. I was taking those substances because I accepted that that would be the height of my experience as a human was to take drugs, to, escape the pain temporarily. But I also accepted that I would always be in pain and that's it. I am what I am. That's Mm. it.
1: Would you say that acceptance of what is, another way to describe that, could be surrender?
0: Yes, 100%. And that's what I had to do throughout my NDE. I don't use that word that often because I've had a few people tell me they hate that word. <laughs> so they, they don't like the concept of surrender. And I guess maybe that's just because they're in their ego still. Lives. The ego does not want to surrender. Yeah, it doesn't The ego want to. always wants to change. That's yeah, That's
1: right. Relinquish control. It will not.
0: But yeah, surrender is, is the had to surrender to what was happening. And, and because people don't want to surrender, it feels like, like surrender to them feels like if you're driving your car and you take your hands off the wheel you know, and you close your eyes. Like that's how people feel in it. And to some extent that is what it, what it, what it feels like. And I'm not really at a point yet where I can teach people how to go through that in a, in a safe way. Cause you know, I'm still very early in this. I I, I don't want to, I'm not ready to really teach people uh, these kind of things yet, but I, that one day I can be, so I just start with where I'm at and where I'm at is just, discussing my experience, and people can take from that what they're ready to take from it.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you're at this point because it is a really powerful story and I so believe in the power of sharing our stories to connect with one another. Mm -hmm. And just still on that subject of surrender because, again, in our correspondence you mentioned that you're now very open to being a vessel to be used as needed. So it seems like this surrender process is ongoing for you, Jacob, would you say?
0: Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it's more important now than ever because now as I'm getting like a lot of requests for interviews and I'm telling my story and it's a very tricky time for the ego because the ego says, Hey, look at that. Oh, a hundred thousand views here. Oh, look how many mm. comments Oh, Everyone's saying all this good stuff to me. And then the ego wants to be like, Hey, look at that. Look at <laughs> me. Like, and then as soon as I get into that state, I feel awful. Like, and I was like, awful, awful compared to what's within me. What's within me that is glued to the present moment and is just accepting everything as it comes in there is peace. But when I'm in my head and I'm, I'm looking at all the, the views and that and the attention, it's getting like, there's kind of like this anxiety that comes up, this tension, this stress that comes along with it. Not only that, I can no longer be an open vessel. I go from like, when I speak, I feel like a lot of the time the higher power, God, the universe, call it what you want, is speaking through me, but only when I'm open. But as soon as I'm in my ego, I'll say some something really dumb. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. And what about that beautiful kind of message that God gave you, or the answer, one of the answers to your questions? And uh, God said, "That's what you're here for—to share the love, to help your the people in your life feel that love." I wonder if you can reflect on that and what part sharing your story plays in that.
0: Mm. It, it's not nearly as cosmic, magical experience when you're doing it here on Earth. It's pretty basic because we're 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 used to being here on Earth. But it's very interesting how it happens. Like I'll give an I'll give an example was you know, one time I was at the gym and we have a steam room and a sauna in the gym. I don't like the sauna. I always go to the steam room. I just prefer it. And one day I'm going to the steam room and something just that vibration within just says, "Not sauna, go to the sauna. And I'm like, all right, I'll go to the sauna this time. And then uh, I jump in the sauna. There's only one guy there. And then me and this one guy end up talking for like an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, I told him about my NDE and, you know, he was a, a former Catholic and, you know, I'm sort of, you know, long story short, like his life was, was changed a little bit from the conversation we had and he saw things in, in a new way. And he was, uh, he had a bad car accident and he had a little bit of brain damage and stuff. So, you know, but I'm not judging him for that the way everybody else is. I'm feeling what he's feeling and we're connecting on this vibrational level where we are the same person And I can see how healing that is for him, that somebody is giving him respect and not judging him because he's got scars all over his face and he's struggling to speak coherently. And when I'm giving him that energy, I'm receiving that energy at the same time because it's flowing through me. As I love others and I heal others just through presence and awareness and giving them attention, as I heal them with that, I heal myself i feel the same thing and it's not anything that you know it's not the same thing as when you're on the other side like here on earth it's just about being humble and bringing ourselves down to the level of those around us and meeting them where they are where they are and feeling where they are and giving them that feeling that energy that is running through me giving him some of that or giving her some of that it doesn't matter who it is and When you're just in that flow state where you're just open, I find myself being put in places that I never would have gone myself had I chosen. Mm. And I always seem to be in the right place at the right time. I am not planning any of this or organizing any of this. I'm, you know, it's all coming to me. Like all these interviews I've done, I haven't requested one interview. People have asked me to share it. And how amazing is that? Like Mm. I didn't have to do any of it. It's just happening, something's happening through me. So yes, telling my NDE is a part of it, but really it's just about me being in the present moment and being wherever I'm needed and saying whatever needs to be said through me. If I tried to do it with my ego, it'd be a mess. I'd go back to the way I was.
1: Tell us how life looks for you today, given you know what you've been through, your amazing experience, which I do realize is quite recent. How do you, when you think back to your relationships and, and reflect on the trauma you've gone through, how does your NDE help you look at that in a different way perhaps?
0: Yeah, well, the, the NDE taught me to, about shedding the layers, but also at the same time I realised that not everyone else is there. And so, you know, like I've got my housemates that live with me and my housemates, uh, I've got three other housemates, they're all material atheists who don't believe in my experience and, you know, they think I'm, I'm crazy and it's cool. Like, all right, I accept you as you are. You are an, a material atheist who doesn't believe in any of this stuff. That's cool. God accepted me as I was. I accept you as you are and learning to accept everyone as they are. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to, I have to take abuse from other people. No, I've cut people out of my life for being very, very abusive towards me. But I accept that that's where they're at. And I accept that I'm not willing to take part of it. So I can still do that. I can still maintain my emotional integrity and my emotional health through being accepting of who I am and accepting of others and meeting them on their level. And, you know, I, I'm i also very aware of just being in the flow of life like i am not the script writer of my own life to some extent people can debate this and i'm not saying this is 100 percent true but just life as i'm experiencing it right now is happening through me and when i allow it to happen through me i can get through the hard stuff a lot easier because i accept it i'm not applying resistance to it and Life is interesting. It's become like an interesting story since I started doing that. But before, when I was in my ego and resisting everything and hating everything, it was a nightmare, you know. But Mm. in the past, I was never happy no matter what I got. You know, I had some brief success here and there and, you know, I'd be temporarily happy for five minutes and then go back to being miserable. But, you know, so I went from being unhappy and unsatisfied no matter what I got to now where... I'm pretty satisfied no matter what I get because my satisfaction is not dependent on anything external. It comes from within. And that place within me doesn't know how to be anything other than happy and satisfied and loving. It's That is its very nature. So I'll just tune into that and I'm all good.
1: It's, it's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Because you mentioned that we've got to be captain of our ship in a way, but at the same time, what I'm taking from that is be captain of the ship to the extent that you know you must surrender to the higher power in order yeah. to, to live, to live the, your truest life.
0: Well, all great truths are paradoxical.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And it depends on what lens you're looking at it through. So everything I say, you can see contradictions in it everywhere, and that's fine. It's when you can marry the contradictions and put them together, then that's when you find something. It's a lot like the yin-yang symbol. When I'm saying that you have to be the captain of your own ship, I'm saying that in regards to not letting not not being the dog chasing its tail, which is what happens when you're a slave to your body. Okay. So when you're the captain of your own ship, okay, but who's the you that is the captain of your own ship? Yes. It's not the ego.
1: Yes, that's it.
0: It's the soul within. But then the soul within is directly connected to God. It's an aspect of God. That's the drop of water that's re- removed from the ocean. So it's not really you. And that part of you is not a control freak. So, you know, <laughs> it, it does get complicated, as you say.
1: No, but you do a beautiful job of, of clarifying it, Jacob. And I would love, um, I wonder if you've thought about writing a book about your experience.
0: You know, I keep hearing that a lot lately. Um, <laughs> <as> I was, <laughs> when I was growing up, I loved writing. And I always wanted to write a book. And I just never knew what I was going to write on. And I thought, (laughs) when I get older, one day I'll have something to write about. And that time will come. I'm still very early on in this journey. So,
1: you
0: know, eventually that time will definitely come. And uh, hopefully that that book can do some good for other people.
1: Indeed. And I don't want to let you go without asking you about intergenerational trauma. From your perspective as a near-death experiencer, (laughs) what are your thoughts on intergenerational trauma and how we can break the cycle?
0: Yeah, it's it's a hard one, you know, because my my parents uh, both faced intergenerational trauma and they dished it out on me. And I don't understand why, why it happens intellectually. I don't understand. But all I know is that those who can take on that trauma and transform it are performing alchemy. They're turning lead into gold. So the people who, I don't know, like the greatest artists and the greatest athletes and A lot of the people who are the greatest in their fields have a lot of trauma within them, and they've transformed that pain into something good, into something positive, and they've made something beautiful with it. Um, And I think it's something that we do sign up for, but I... I mean, I can't understand why some people sign up for it only to dish it out to others. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't understand that. Why did my dad, you know, he got traumatized by his dad. So my grandpa traumatized my dad, but why did my dad sign up for that? I I don't understand that. And I can't understand it because I'm not my dad, I'm only me. And I think the fact that you are asking these questions or if you're the audience and you're listening to these questions and listening to the answers means that you are one of the people that is here to transform that trauma it's pretty pretty amazing when you do it like it's it's awesome because you're turning lead into gold and the more trauma there is that you transform the more gold you have afterwards all my favorite people in the world you know whether i know them personally or not are people who have transformed their trauma into something beautiful
1: what a wonderful answer thank you so much for that i love that and there's so much to ponder there now What are your thoughts, as we get ready to close, on the phenomenon of the NDE itself? I mean, this is something that's been around since humanity dawned, but however, over the last few decades, there's been this flood of stories. Do you believe that there's something going on at the moment in terms of the NDE story playing a part in, you you could call it an awakening of humanity? What do you think about that?
0: Definitely. And I think it's had to happen because... We are in an age of globalization and in this age of globalization, we're having a lot of friction with different parts of the world that do not get along. So the most obvious way I can show that is with religion, right? You know, we can, all humans can get along with just everything until it gets to something like religion. The gender war is another, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, I'm a man. I hate women. Or there's a lot of women who say, I'm a woman. I hate men. But then when you get to the uh to the ndes you're getting to a place that is beyond humanity and the only way to unify humanity is with the wisdom and the truth that is beyond humanity so you know uh, you get religious people who have died and seen things differently and then they come back like you're not really getting any nde people saying this religion is the right one you have to join this religion like you don't get that in, in ndes really you're not getting any NDEs coming back and saying women are better than men or men are better than that. Nah. Well, you're going to a place where you transcend gender, you transcend religion, you transcend your humanity. And when we can unify on that place of transcendence, and when can that can sort of infuse itself within the culture of the globe, and then this is going to help bring a lot of people together. And not only that, there's a lot of people with a lot of questions out. What am I? What am I doing here? What is the purpose of this life? Is there a God? Is there an afterlife? What happened to my child who committed suicide or who was murdered? Mm. What happened to to my dad or my mom who just died? You know, there's all these questions. And I understand why people don't want to just trust these answers to, you know, 2000-year-old books and stuff. They want to hear from people who have experienced it today. So, yeah, it is an awakening. Mm. And I think this is a part of the human evolution as a whole that we are sharing these stories and there are similarities within all of them. The is as different and as unique as each one is, they do not contradict each other. So that's pretty awesome.
1: That is awesome. And you're right, I can see the power of the NDE when you look at YouTube and see that hundreds of thousands of people are tuning in to these accounts and it, there just seems to be no end to the desire to hear them because it is like a reminder of home.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It definitely stirs something within the souls of people who are listening to them. And people are yearning for it. And I think the main difference that I have is that I want to, I want people to be able to experience the satisfaction that they're looking for. I want, I want them to know that you don't have to have an NDE to tune into this love, to tune into this bliss, to tune into this cosmic vibration. It's within you. It's keeping you alive right now. And... Yeah, you can experience that vicariously through listening to these NDEs, but what about if that's already within you? You can go there. You can. It may not happen overnight, or it may, but who cares? You can get there. I think that's the thing that I want to get across the most to people, is that you don't have to experience this vicariously through others. You've got that within you. That love is within you right now, and I'd like to help people get there. So, yeah.
1: Well, on that note, how can people learn more about you and or get in touch with with you?
0: Um, I've got a YouTube channel that I've just started up. Um, I've only got like three or four videos on there now. Um, and I've got so much I want to teach people and just guide people. And I've got a lot of stories to tell and you can take them from them, what you will. The, you can just do a search for Jacob King or if you go youtube.com slash at King three six nine. So Jacob King 369 is is the uh, handle that you would type in on Perfect. YouTube.
1: Perfect. I'll link to that in the show description as well so it's easy for people. So, Jacob, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I am so thrilled to have caught you, I guess, at the beginning of this journey of yours. And I, I do hope we can stay in touch and continue our conversation because, as you said, you've got lots of stories to tell.
0: Yeah, I do. I, sometimes I look back and I go, and how have I experienced all of that? That's crazy, <laughs> <laughs> um, But, yeah, I've got so much to I'd love to speak about um, with anyone who wants to listen. So, yeah, if you ever want to have me back on, like it's been great chatting to you, Karina. So, so uh, lovely. you're welcome to ask me on any time.
1: Oh, well, that will be lovely. Any final message you'd like to leave the audience with today?
0: Yes. I'd like to remind everyone that God, the cosmic vibration, the, the love you're seeking is within you. Tune in. And if you struggle to tune in, that's all right. You're going to go on a hell of a journey finding out how to tune into it. Some people are already there. Good on you. Help out the other people too. We're still looking for it. There's a key to the lock of everything you're searching for. And it is within. I hope you can get there. I know you can get there. And I wish you the very best of luck on your journey.
1: Thank you, Jacob. Likewise, wishing you all the very best. And I really can't wait to see what unfolds with you. (laughs) Thanks, Karina. I appreciate it. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review the show. Have an experience you'd like to share with me? Get in touch at my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story.